Good morning, Inspired Church. How are you doing this morning? Oh no, I, I, we had to do better than that. How are you doing this morning? So good to be here. And I, I want to quickly jump to my text. Uh, the presence of the Lord is so beautiful here. How many of you feel his presence? And just that's just the season we're in, is that sometimes we worship a lot. Longer, and that's okay, because he's he's. How I many you know he's beautiful? He's worth it, and so I'll just have to preach fast this morning. And even in the first service, I didn't. I only got to cover about fifty percent, so I'm I'm just going to preach the second half. So, but God's presence is so beautiful here today. And for all of our first time guests, how many of you with us for the first time? Wave at me. Well, could you stand to your feet? Could I, we have our guests just stand? I don't want to embarrass you, but I just want to honor you. Wow. Wow. Welcome. We're so glad that that you would join us and we want to invite you immediately after service. We're going to be in the lobby, our senior pastor, our staff, volunteers. We want to meet you. We don't want you just to come in and and leave without us getting to see your face and say hello. Amen. So all of our online audience, come on, let's welcome our online audience. Amen. If you would turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter two. And I won't be long at all. <clears throat> the text says this in Revelation chapter 2. And I'm just going to read it and open this up. And then we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this chapter. But in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus is speaking to the church at Ephesus. And he says this. Nevertheless. Someone say nevertheless. I have this against you. That you left your first love. Someone say first love. And as we've been saying, obviously God is doing something special in this nation. And so as I've been praying into this and like you have and just pressing into what God is doing this week. I came across some writings from from Charles Finney. And Charles Finney was someone that God used mightily in the second great great awakening. How many of you have heard of Charles Finney? And there's something about revival that he said that I just want to read it very quickly. And I, because I believe it's true of every revival, but I believe it's true of what God is doing now. Charles Finney observed this. He said, actually, if the fire in the church was kept burning, God would never have to send revival. Right. And that is true. In the, in the book of Leviticus, he told the priests, keep the fire on the altar burning daily. But Charles Finney also said this, he said, while that's true, he in his lifetime, he said, I see a need for God to send revival periodically because we have a tendency to become stagnant. So it's not it's not like a it's not like an overly critical thing. He's just he's speaking plainly, like technically speaking, we the best scenario is let's just keep the fire on the altar burning. But because sometimes that fire begins to wane or the, those, those flames be, just become embers. God has to come and revive again. And this is what Charles Finney said. He, and, and God used his life in incredible ways in the, in, the, in the Great Awakening. I encourage you to read about some of the things that, that, that the Lord did in his ministry. It was just phenomenal. But he, he observed this, that always in revival, he believed that revival came with the renewal of first love. The first love fire for Christians. And because Christians would return to their first love and revival, 
This always resulted in the conversion of sinners and awakening to the nation. Do you hear me this morning? He said, as Christians return to their first love, people get transformed. Simply put, revival is a special season. It's a window of opportunity where the spirit is at work to awaken and revive the church. Revival is when the fire of first love for Jesus is reignited in the heart of believers. And as a result, because of that transformation, the kingdom of God is expanded in the earth. And so as I'm reading this, this week, I'm reading these generals of the faith. And that's one thing that continuously kept coming up when they would talk about revival. It's this idea that God would call Christians back to himself. And so what I believe God is doing in America right now, I believe you, you, we are seeing a wave of revival sweeping this nation. And I believe we're heading, headed towards awakening. But I believe before the nation sees awakening, God first revives his people. Because judgment always begins where? And listen, it's the mercy of God. And so sometimes even hearing this, it can be offensive. Like, well, well, what do you mean? God wants me to return to my first love. I'm fine. Listen, sometimes we're not even aware of the touch we need. Are you hearing me this morning? Sometimes we're not even aware of the fresh touch of the Holy Spirit we need because we're still banking on an encounter we had 20 years ago or revelation from 15 years ago. And God's saying, I have something new for you Can you, listen, can you remain like a child and just say this, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, if you want to touch me again, would you please touch me again? Because in the book of Revelation, when John saw Jesus, John walked the earth with Jesus. John saw the the resurrected Jesus. John was a disciple who he said about himself, I'm the one that Jesus loves. But when he saw Jesus in the book of Revelation, it says he felt like a dead man. Because there's so much more to God that God wants to reveal and to show us. And when we get complacent or stagnant, we're missing out. And so God says, sometimes I got to come and, you know, revival is actually the mercy of God. Because God looks and he sees the embers as they're going out and he says, I'm going to, I'm going to breathe on them so that they can become flames again. In Revelation chapter 2, I'm going to read the whole, this whole section really quickly. And by the way, I love that what Charles Finney said. He said that when Christians return to their first love, the nation gets awakened. Because this is what I truly believe. Jesus gave us the great commission in Matthew 28. Is that right? Go and preach the gospel to, in all the world, to every creation, right? Every creature. But I believe what what oftentimes happens is we try to fulfill the great commission without putting priority on the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment is what? To love the Lord your God with all your soul in. See, people who have first love fire don't need to be reminded of the great commission every day. You know why? Because when you're on fire for him, when you have first love fire burning in your heart, you just you can't help yourself. 
And that's why sometimes if we try to fulfill the great commission without prioritizing the great commandment, we end up with just a mission statement and not a passion. And and, and history has shown us that God changes the world with people who return to him and God fills them. And what happens is they're so filled with something that their life cannot help but touch those around them. And so what I believe God is doing is God is sending a wave of first love fire back to his church because this fire is actually going to fuel the great commission in this generation. Because you see, when, when you have first love fire, you say, Lord, I'll go anywhere and I'll do anything. You'll be like the two Moravian missionaries who sold themselves into slavery to reach this, the slaves of the Caribbean islands. And as the boat pulled away from the docks and they were waving by to the family, they said this statement, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. What makes two people sell themselves into slavery to reach people they've never met? It's not that they just read Matthew 28. They did. It's because they had a first love fire. And they said, Lord, because of this fire in my heart, where do you want me to go? I'll do anything. When you have first love fire, there's no task that's too dangerous. There's nothing that's too out of reach. And also there's no task too small. When first love fire, when the simplicity of first love fire is burning in your heart, you just say, Jesus, where do you want me? Well, how can I bring you glory? How can I bring Jesus his reward in this generation? When you have first love of fire he becomes your all-consuming passion and God is giving us that again I believe there's people in this room that will say God how can you use my life how can you use my skills how can you use my business how can you use my talents how can you use what you've given me how can I use it for your glory amen and in Revelation chapter 2 when he, when, when, when Jesus is speaking and John is Writing to the churches, the seven churches in Asia, he says this to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Listen to this. I know your works. Someone say works. You, you, your labor, your patience that you cannot bear those who are evil and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake. And listen to this. You have not become weary. But nevertheless, I have this against you. That you left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand and its place. Unless you repent. But this you have, that you, have, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, uh, I don't know, how, I'm pronouncing that wrong, which I also hate. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church, churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Someone say amen. So John is writing to the churches and he says, I, I see your works and you're, you're very faithful. Your patience, your perseverance. And actually, if you, if you pay attention to what he's saying to the church at Ephesus, he's actually telling them doctrinally, you're very strong. And 
You're busy. Someone say they're busy. But he said, you've left your first love. And, and, and I, when I would read that in the past, I always thought first love. Okay, God wants me to go back to the, just the emotion or the experience of when I first followed him. And, 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 and of course, God wants us to have that fervency. But the more I read this over the years, I realized Jesus was not calling them back to just an experience. Jesus was calling them back to a person because first love is not a person. I mean, I'm sorry. First love is not an experience. It's a person. It's a person. And so when, when John is writing this letter and he's telling the church at Ephesus, you're your, the ministry looks great on the outside, but your heart has drifted from your first love. He's not calling them back to an experience. He's calling them back to a person. Because here's what I have found about revival. If you chase revival, you will get performance. But if you chase Jesus, you get revival. And so what happened to the church at Ephesus is what happens to many of us, not, and not int- intentionally. I love that he writes this. He says, you've left your first love. In other words, it was not stolen. How many you know the enemy cannot steal your intimacy with God? You have to relinquish it. You have to, you ha- it, it's, not, it's not even a one-time thing. It's a slow fade. It's, it's the busyness of life. It's the busyness of ministry. It's the good things and the good works and all of the, the, the things that we're faithful. Sometimes what happens is those good things keep us away from the main thing. And so what actually happened, I want you to hear me, and here's the scary part. The church at Ephesus got good at doing ministry without intimacy. Can I say something kindly? This breaks my heart. I think that America has gotten good at doing church without him. I think that it's become a formula. I think that it's become a franchise. I think that it's become this thing. Not that all that's bad, but I think that we have, I think that we have in America, I'm speaking not about a specific church. I'm talking about the capital C church. I think that we have gotten good at doing church without him. And that's why he said, I love what you're doing, but I'm calling you to repentance because I want you to return to your first love because I don't want you just doing things for me. Because here's what happened. Here's what I think happened at Ephesus and I have to hurry. They got so good at doing, actually they were fulfilling their assignment. Right? They got so good because what happens oftentimes is we start with first love simplicity. That's the word I'm looking for today. Simplicity of heart. We all start with that simplicity of heart. But here's, here's what begins to happen. We begin to learn. Right? We begin to grow. And we begin to mature. And all of that, bless God, that is what we're commanded to do. Peter told us to add to our faith knowledge, right? He told us to grow. The Bible tells us to mature. The the challenge for the Christian, the challenge for me and you, is how do we grow? How do we learn? And how do we mature but keep it simple in our heart? 
I'll say it like this. How do we get to a place where our head never gets bigger than our heart? And so that's what I'm saying to you today is do never outgrow your fire. Never outgrow the simplicity of your heart. You know, even this week as I was studying, I, when I... And I do hearken back when I remember my early days with him. And I, sometimes I, I actually said this a while back. I know this sounds silly, but sometimes I actually wish I knew less. And I don't really mean that. But I, I, sometimes I miss when it was simpler. And then I, I realized it's, it's the, the battle is not, it's not that God doesn't want us to learn. Of course, I believe we're to always learn and grow in our intellects and all that stuff. But the, 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 the battle is to keep it simple here. I love when pastor taught that series that what it means to truly worship is when you bow your head down to the ground. It's the only time that your heart is elevated above your head. And so the challenge for us is how do we grow? How do we mature? How do we become that powerful person? How do we have that powerful ministry? But how do I remain simple in my devotion to him? And when Paul is writing to the the Corinthians in second Corinthians chapter 13, he actually tells them, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for you that you have been deceived out of the simplicity of devotion to him. And I wrote this down this week. Do I talk more about what I do for him? than I talk about being with him. I don't have time to read it. But see, the Lord, the Lord wants us to steward greatness and grow and mature, do all these things. But he wants us to be simple in our heart, to where in our heart of hearts, our greatest pleasure, our greatest joy, and our greatest desire is to be with him. You'll remember back in September, I, I'm not going to read it, but you'll remember back in September when we did that little mini series on Mary and Martha. How many of you remember that? Remember that it says that Mary also sat at the feet of Jesus, which means that Mary and Martha both started at the feet of Jesus. And of course, Martha got up and the Bible says that she was distracted with much serving, right? And then, of course, she bugs Jesus and said, Jesus, when are you going to make my sister help me? And I, I didn't preach this about this. I think sometimes even when you find yourself being Martha, I, not only was she kind of like, you know, that's like obviously like some kind of sibling thing. And it's, it's, she's kind of being provoked like, hey, I'm over here doing all this work and she's just sitting at your feet. But I also think that this is, this is also a picture of what it looks like. Lovers of Jesus always provoke those who are stagnant. In other words, what Mary, what Mary, Martha was also uh, obviously upset that Mary was not helping her. But I also think that as Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, Martha got antagonized because she knew she should have been there. And so Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're, you're, you're distracted and you're worried about many things. He says, leave her alone. He says, you're worried and troubled about many things. But he said this, someone say this, one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. And if I could have the musicians come on at a time, I can't believe this. But Jesus said one thing is needed. 
one thing. And I used to read this and even still I read it and I think, Jesus, you could have phrased this a different way. Because obviously, right, we can't literally just sit at his feet all day because we've got stuff to do, right? I mean, like, like, like obviously, Jesus, why couldn't you have said it like this? Uh, one thing is necessary and other things are important. No, he just said one thing is needed. Simple. Because Jesus knows something about how he created us. He knows that if we prioritize being with him, we will be more fruitful. Hear me this morning. We will be more fruitful and get more done because we were with him. The temptation is the more that we grow in Christ, the more that we mature, the more we develop. Our temptation is to think that we don't need that time as much or we don't need that fire or we don't need that sweet presence, uh, that sweet affection that we once had. That Sometimes we feel like we can outgrow that, but you never outgrow that. Because what happens is when, we've, when we leave our first love, and we get busy doing things for him, then we have to sustain them. We have to keep things going. And before, for, before long, there's no oil anymore. Can I say this? I think that's what's wrong in our countries is that we've gotten so good at doing church without God. There's no oil on much of it because it's not saturated with first love intimacy. And so Jesus, as he's moving in America, I believe he's calling his people. He's first awakening his people. If I could have, oh, you, there you go, my brother. And I wrote this down. We start in intimacy always. Most of us, always, when we first started, when we start, first started following him, it was easy to be at his feet. It was easy to be with him. Then life gets complicated, growth happens, busyness happens. And what, what ends up happening with him, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've seen it in my life. Is we start coming to him more for direction. And we stop giving him affection. And he has nothing wrong with direction. And he has words of direction. But remember when you used to come to him just to come to him? Many times we're looking for direction and he's looking for affection. I wrote this down. He's calling us to look for him again, even in our, even in our daily devotion. When you open up the scriptures, how many of you are like me? You're, you're going to the scriptures every day for direction, for insight, for wisdom. And that is all absolutely true. But how, how quick are we to forget that the scriptures are actually first there to reveal Jesus? Jesus told the Pharisees, you see the scriptures because in them you think you, they, you'll find eternal life. He said, but they are which testify of me. In other words, if I only go to the word of God for direction 
but I, but the word of God does not increase my affection, then I am not reading the word right. Because the greatest thing that, that God wants to emerge from the pages of scripture is Jesus himself. And I believe, and I'm going to end here. I believe we are in a special season where God, I know this is going to sound so strange. God is calling his church back to the simplicity of devotion. And I believe Christ is about to be unveiled and revealed in such a fresh way. Not only in our corporate gatherings, but in your, in our private lives, because we sang the song, you're our daily, what bread. That means anytime we gather and even in the, in the homes, when we open up our, our Bibles in the morning, when we open up the scriptures and say, Lord speak, we're not just act, asking for direction. We're not just asking for wisdom. We're actually asking for him to emerge. And that's what the scriptures are. He says, I'm the bread of life. And actually when we dig into our word, what, what needs to emerge is Christ himself. When you walk away from the word, you should have felt like you had a meal. God is bringing us back to that place. That's why, that's why you feel it in the worship. That's why you feel it even in the reading of the word. God is about to reveal himself in the simplicity of devotion where Christ becomes the thing that nourishes us, where Christ becomes the thing that sustains us, where he becomes the thing that we hunger and thirst for again. Because we've like the, oh, let me say in here, like the church of Ephesus, Paul spent three years there. Timothy became the bishop there. They had some of the best preaching and best, te- best teaching. But guess what? They fell away from their first love. America has some of the best preachers. We have some of the biggest churches. But what God is doing in America right now, God is bringing us back to the simplicity of devotion to Christ. God is about to wow us again with the simplicity of his son. I have to close. Can I have two more minutes? Two, just two. I have to close. And I'll have to do part two because this was my real message. To come back to first love, we must come back to the cross. Because when we speak of first love fire, it's the cross that was the altar. Did you know the cross was an altar? That the son of God gave his body and, and the fire was consumed the sacrifice on the cross. He was the sacrifice on the cross. And John said this, we love him because he first loved us. And so the revelation of the cross is where our revelation of his love begins. And God is about to bring us back to that first love fire. And I, I believe this where God is bringing us back to the cross because everything in Christianity was supposed to be saturated with it. Because the cross is not just something we come to one time. We actually carry it with us into everything we do. That's why when Jesus on, in Luke chapter 24, you remember the scripture when he gave the great commission to his disciples. What does the Bible say? He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Right? What was in his hands? 
the marks of the cross. Do you see it? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And it says he lifted up his scarred hands to bless them. In other words, my love is your victory. Everything that you do and everything that you are is marked by this right here. Because the cross didn't just change history. It changed us. It changed our identity. It changed who we were. Paul internalized it and said, I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. In other words, the cross is not just a one-time revelation. The cross is where God revealed his great love for us. And you don't start with first love and then mature onto great things. It's the love of of God that brings you into the greater. I want you to stand with me all across this auditorium. I just want you to lift your hands with me. The cross is where God changed our story. It's where Jesus' body was beaten and bruised. So important was what he did on that cross that even in his resurrected state, he kept his scars. And in heaven, he's worshiped as the lamb who was slain. We cannot return to first love until we return to the cross. And say like John who stood at the foot of the cross. I am the one whom he loves. I just want you to lift your hands. I want you to receive that. That's why the call to first love comes with repentance. Because when you see your first love, you say, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I forgot. I'm so sorry that I forgot what you've done for me. I'm so sorry that I forgot the price you paid for me. How can I live in mediocrity? How can I live in complacency? God loved you. Jesus loved you and gave his life for you, not knowing if you would ever love him back. People say to me all the time, how can a loving God send anyone to hell? And my response is always the same. You have to work very hard to get there. You have to step over his body to get there. Because he put his body in between and you in destruction. And he said, don't go that way. He said, look, there's my, I'm resurrected, but I still have my scars. I'm resurrected, but you can still see the scars on my back. 
Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You say, how do I return to first love? First love is not your first, your emotion. First love is, is him first. He first loved you when you were dead in your trespasses and your sin. When you were lost, the Bible says you were an enemy of God in your mind. It says that the son of God gave himself and died for you. There is no returning to first love without returning to the altar, to returning to the cross. And beholding the beauty of his son. It's the greatest weapon against darkness. The cross is the greatest weapon against sickness. The cross is the greatest weapon against sin. The cross is the greatest weapon to any darkness that you could conjure up in your mind. And so right now, I just want you to lift up your hands. And if there's anyone in this room who's not received the Lord and you want to do so, would you just wave at me? Just wave at me. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, inspire. Pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Wash me in your blood. Forgive me of my sin. Become the Lord of my life. I make a decision to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's give them a hand clap. Don't don't move though. They're going to put the next steps on the screen. But can can I pray for us that first love fire would fall on our life? I'll tell you what, anyone that's hungry, please join me here. Just come. Just come. lift your hands with me. Yes, Lord. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Can we just do this corporately really quick? Father, we repent, Lord. where we have put other lovers before our great love. Come on. We repent for loving materialism and money and the things of this world that so easily entangle us. And Father, We repent and we say we are returning to you with all of our heart. We thank you for the cross. That when Adam and Eve ate from the tree, they died. But when you were crucified on the tree, it was so that we could live. 
we laid, listen, I don't know who this is for. But in this season, God is saying, you cannot no longer entertain things that I died to free you from. You can no longer entertain things that I gave my life for. I feel this so strong. God is saying, would you come out of compromise? Would you come out of sin? Not because I'm calling you to a greater love. I'm calling to you to a greater affection. I'm calling you to a greater revelation. And actually what it means to carry first love in our hearts, it actually means to carry our cross every day. Because every day we make a choice. Lord, I'm going to choose you today. I'm going to choose you today. And I'm going to carry my cross, which means this. I'm going to continually crucify the desires of the flesh. I'm going to remain tenderhearted. I'm going to remain in a place of simplicity. And you can have whatever is not meant for me. Because you're greater, Lord. You're the treasure. You're listen to this, you're my destiny. You're my desire. And so right now, if you pray that prayer, I'm just going to pray something very simple. Lift your hands with me. The Lord is about to move. I pray for I pray for the fire of the Holy Spirit. The fire falls on on the cross. The fire falls on the lives of those who are marked by the cross. And so, Father, right now I pray for the first love fire, the baptism of your fiery love to begin to fall on your church right now, Lord. Begin to feel them. Come on, cry out with me. Begin to feel them right now, even with a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. Right now, Lord, from this side to this side, Come on, lift up your voice right now. The Lord is wanting to fill some of you. You're one moment. You're one act of faith away. Come, Lord. Fill us with a greater love. Fill us with the more, God. Fill us with the more, Lord. Come on, let's worship him. Come on, let's let the Lord move in this place.